Hello and welcome to Bill Stern's Sports Newsreel from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. C-O-L-G-A-T-E, Colgate presents Bill Stern. With a Colgate Shave Cream Sports Newsreel. Bill Stern, the Colgate Shave Cream Man, is on the air. Bill Stern, the Colgate Shave Cream Man, with stories rare. Take his advice and you'll look keen. You'll get a shave that's smooth and clean. You'll be a Colgate brushless fan. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Bill Stern bringing you the 379th edition of the Colgate Shave Cream Sports Newsreel, featuring strange and fantastic stories, some legends, some hearsay. But also interesting, we'd like to pass them along to you. Our guest tonight is one of the most famous baseball players of all time, Frankie Frisch. Before we bring you Frankie Frisch in person, let's begin with Real One, Portrait of Valentine's Day. Today is February the 14th, Valentine's Day. This is a Valentine's Day story. This begins on another February the 14th, on another Valentine's Day, just like today. For 27 years ago today, a young French boy met a young French girl. Perhaps it was because they did meet on Valentine's Day. Perhaps it might have happened anyway, but whatever the reason, these two fell in love. His name was Alan Gerbault. Her name was Suzanne Longlong. These two had one thing in common. They were both really great tennis players. He was a member of Francis Davis' Cup tennis team. She was the woman's tennis champion of France. That's the way it began. For on February the 14th of 1919, Alan Gerbault of the French Davis Cup tennis team fell in love with Suzanne Longlong, the woman's tennis champion of France. For several years, these two remained in love with Alan Gerbault trying desperately to persuade Suzanne Longlong to marry him. But for some reason... She kept putting him off. It wasn't that she didn't love him, and yet somehow she kept postponing their marriage. 1924, Alan Gerbault decided to try one last desperate attempt to make Suzanne Long Long marry him. For it was then that he dramatically told her... Suzanne, if you do not marry me, I shall go away, and you will never see me again. I shall never play tennis again, either with you or with anyone else. Suzanne Long Long pleaded with him. She reasoned with him, but it was no avail. That night... Alan Gerbault quietly put away his tennis racket and disappeared. For a while, he wasn't heard from. Then one day, one day the story broke. The story about how he, he in a small 30-foot boat, had crossed the mighty Atlantic Ocean. But Alan Gerbault was only beginning his wanderings over the face of the earth. He was never again to see Suzanne Longlong. Yet on each February the 14th on Valentine's Day, the anniversary of when they'd first met, from wherever he was, Alan Gerbault had sent her a postal card. But she never sent him one back. Perhaps it was because she had no address to send it to, for he continued his wanderings over the face of the earth. He was next heard of as he tried to cross the Pacific Ocean in a 28-foot sailboat. For days, he battled huge waves, high seas, starvation. Then there were days in which he lay becalmed, thousands of miles from shore, while the scorching sun burned his skin to a crisp but. In that 28-foot sailboat, he finally did cross the Pacific Ocean. And all was painted high on his sails, and on the stern of his boat was her name. In 1938, Suzanne Longlong, the greatest woman tennis player that France has ever developed, came to the end of her road. She died a tragic death. Friends tried to get the news to Alan Gerbault, but nobody knew where he was. His only contact with the outside world was the postal cards that he used to send her each February the 14th from wherever he was. Apparently, he didn't know that she was dead. For in December of 1941, he reached a tiny island in the South Pacific. And there, three years after his sweetheart, Suzanne Longlong had died, he first heard of her death. There's no record of what happened next. 
But the story has it that he lost all will to live. He'd sit and dream for hours, dreaming perhaps of other days. Other days when he was a member of France's Davis Cup tennis team. And she, she was the woman's tennis champion of France. Towards the end, he didn't even try to eat. His body wasted away. Until finally one morning, some natives found him dead. They buried Allinger Bolt where he died. He lies alone, forgotten, out where the trade winds blow on an island in the South Pacific. And that's the end of the story. The story of Allinger Bold and Suzanne Longlong, a love story that began on a Valentine's Day 28 years ago when he was a member of France's Davis Cup tennis team and she was the woman's tennis champion of France. Today is once again Valentine's Day. This story that began on another day, another day now that it's finished, finds these two buried thousands of miles apart. But there's a curious ending to this story. For the day they found Allinger Bolt dead... The calendar read February the 14th, 1942, the anniversary of the very day they met. Profile of a story that began on Valentine's Day in 1919 and ended on Valentine's Day in 1942. Real two. The great coach of St. John's University basketball team is Joe Lapchick, and here's what he wrote me about Colgate Brushless, the shave cream of champion. Dear Bill, remember the day when you said to me, throw away that brush and mug and get on the champion shaving team with Colgate Brushless. Well, you are right. Your Colgate Brushless is the first brushless shave cream I ever tried that seemed made for my combination of tough whiskers and tender skin. And it's a pleasure to work with Colgate Brushless because it's not gummy or greasy, but light and fluffy. Thanks, Bill, for putting me wise to Colgate Brushless Shave Cream. Signed, Joe Lapchick. Thanks, Joe. Colgate Brushless, the shave cream of champions, is not heavy or greasy. It's light and it's right. And being light, it spreads easier and faster. Colgate Brushless stays on the job, keeping moist to the last razor stroke. Holds your whiskers up so your razor can cut through, not merely glide over. Result, close, clean performance without pulling or snagging. And no after irritation either. Finally, because it's not greasy or heavy, but light and fluffy, Colgate Brushless rinses off in a flash. And Colgate Brushless is a real job for that TNT combination, meaning tough whiskers and tender skin. So try it. Try it just once, and if you're not completely satisfied with a first shave, just send the top of the carton back to me. Bill Stern, care of Colgate, Jersey City, Zone 2, New Jersey. And I'll see that you get double your money back. Ask for Colgate Brushless, the shave cream of champions. It's light, and it's right. Real three. Portrait of a painted horse. In these days when people are attempting to fix professional football games and affix boxing matches, it seems appropriate to tell a story of how a horse race was once fixed. For this is the story of a painted horse. It begins and ends with a can of fresh paint, a can of fresh paint that splashed a bloody trail through the land of the turf and the bright lights of Broadway. Our story begins back in the fall of 1931. It begins in a small barn somewhere in Maryland. Two horses are standing side by side. One's the great three-year-old champion named Anacton. The other, a broken-down racehorse named Shem. Look at what those men are doing. They're applying a coat of paint to the champion, Anacton. Why should they be painting a horse? Listen to what they're saying and you'll know. Put a little paint on his leg. Here. Yeah, that's it. There you are. Now, if that horse and Anacton don't look exactly like that nag Shem standing over there, I'll eat your shirt. That's right. The paint's done the trick. You can't tell one horse from the other. Now we can substitute one for the other, and when they think it's a bum horse running, it'll be the champion. 
From here on in, we clean up. Thus it was under cover of darkness. An Octon, the champion, was shipped to nearby Harbor de Grasse racetrack. Shipped in disguise, painted to look like his broken-down stable mate, a horse named Shem, who was entered in a race the following day. The next day dawned bright and clear. Before many hours passed, the horses were at the post. Shem was quoted at 52 to 1. Nobody was the wiser that it was really the great champion in Octon ready to run in his place, but the paint job was perfect. Nobody knew. Uh-uh, that's not quite true. Several men knew. Peter Barry knew he'd done the paint job. The Arnold Rothstein gang, notorious New York gamblers who'd engineered the deal. And these were enough. The Rothstein gang had sent out orders. Sent them out all over the country. Get down all the money you can on Shem. At post time, over a half a million dollars had been bet. Bet on a sure thing. Finally, the race started, but it was no race. Shem, the unknown who hadn't won a race all year, was running as he'd never run before. The fans gasped in amazement. How were they to know that wasn't the real Shem running? That was a champion painted to look like Shem. The real Shem was really far away. On and on came the make-believe Shem to win, hands down, paying tremendous odds. And up on the winning board went Shem's number. The officials had no way of knowing that a champion had run in place of a nag. Money changed hands. The greatest betting fix in horse racing history had been engineered. After the race was over, the winning horse was being led back to the judge's stand when a clap of thunder broke the quiet of the afternoon before this painted horse could be led to cover. A typical summer rainstorm broke forth with all its pent-up fury. The heavens poured down, and then, lo and behold, a strange thing took place. The winning horse began to lose color in the rain. The paint ran off its back, and there exposed in all its real glory stood the champion in Octon. Some say that this is the way the fix was discovered. Others say a gambler squealed. But no matter how it was discovered, it was too late to stop money from being paid all over the country. But what, what have the Arnold Rothstein gang, the gamblers who'd engineered this plot to paint this horse? They'd made a great deal of money by painting that horse. And yet let's see how Arnold Rothstein, whose gang had engineered the painting of that horse, was to meet his death. His death should have been a warning to his gang. A warning? It wasn't. For one day, several years before they'd painted that horse... The members of Arnold Rothstein's gang were playing poker in a New York hotel. Suddenly, the poker playing stopped. Five men sat staring at a smoking revolver, while a sixth man clutched his shoulder in pain. This man was Arnold Rothstein. Blood was beginning to show through his shirt where he'd been shot. Rothstein reeled towards the door. He reached the back stairs of his hotel, stood there for a moment, and then collapsed. Two days later, Arnold Rothstein was dead. That's the story of how Arnold Rothstein... The man whose gang engineered the painting of that horse met his death. However, his gang might not have painted that horse had they noticed the sign over his head as he fell mortally wounded. For over his head was a sign which read, Careful, wet paint, portrait of a prophecy and a painted horse. Real Four, in just a moment, we'll present in person one of baseball's all-time greats, Frankie Frisch. But first, here is Arthur Gary. So you have a tender skin and barbed wire beard, and shaving makes you sore. That's all. Well, listen, Colgate Brushless, the shave cream of champions, is made for you. It's not heavy or greasy. It's light, and it's right. Yes, Colgate Brushless is light and fluffy, so it's easier to spread, quicker to work into the base of your beard. And Colgate Brushless stays moist and active, holds your whiskers upright, so your razor can cut clean and close without any pulling or nicking. Finally... Because it's not greasy or gummy, but light and fluffy, Colgate Brushless Shave Cream rinses off your razor and face in a flash. How about it, men? How's about a champion shave with Colgate Brushless, the shave cream of champions? It's light 
And it's right. And now, back to Bill Stern. Real five. Colgate's camera close-up of Frankie Frisch. Former member of the New York Giants, former manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, former manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Meet the Fordham Flash, one of baseball's immortals, Frankie Frisch. How do you do it, Bill? How do I do what? Make with the words like that. You know I'm going to be a sports broadcaster this summer. Yeah, I read where you're going to broadcast the New York Giant games. Oh, brother, you think you had trouble with ball clubs? Ah, wait till you get on the air. I did it once before, Bill. Several years ago, I broadcast a Boston baseball game. Yeah, and you did such a good job up in Boston, I understand they wanted you back this year. How do you like broadcasting, Frankie? Fine, except for one thing. What's that? You've got to be careful what you say. One day in Boston, I made a remark over the air that I liked lobsters. Well, before I got off the air, 43 live lobsters had been delivered to our broadcasting booth. Next time, say you want money and see what you get. Say, Frankie, during your career, first as a player with the New York Giants and later as a manager with two big league teams, what gave you your biggest kick? Playing against Babe Ruth. Well, now, that's interesting for you to say that, Frank, because as I remember, you and Babe Ruth used to be bitter rivals. That's true, Bill. It was because Babe Ruth played for the New York Yankees and I played for the New York Giants. Well, how'd you ever patch up your feud? Let me tell you what happened. I had been traded to the St. Louis Cardinals, and we were playing the New York Yankees in the World Series. On the particular day I'm talking about, Babe Ruth went to a St. Louis hospital and told a sick kid there that if the youngster would promise to get well, he, Babe Ruth, would hit two home runs for him that day. And he did. So, as much as I hated to lose a World Series game, I always admired the Babe for what he did for that kid in the hospital. And now Babe Ruth himself is in a hospital. Every night I pray for him to get well. He's a great guy, the big lug. <laughs> You're so right. Thanks so much. Good luck and good night, Frankie Frisch. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the 3 mark for tonight. Next Friday night, we'll be back same time, same stations, when our guest from Hollywood will be the famous orchestra leader, Woody Herman. So be sure and be with us next Friday evening when we bring you as our special guest in person, the famous Woody Herman. See you then. Until then, I'll be seeing you on the screen in the news of the day, newsreel at your favorite Lowe's or Associated Theaters. Now, until next Friday night at this very same time, this is Bill Stern wishing you all a good, good night. Bill Stern, the Colgate-Chapey man, is on his way. Bill Stern, the Colgate-Chapey man, had lots to say. He told you tales of sports heroes, the inside dope he really knows. So listen in next Friday night. C-O-L-G-A-T-E. Ladies, right now there's a worldwide shortage of fats and oils, the principal ingredients of soap. That's why the women of America are asked to keep on saving used fats. So don't waste waste fat. Fill it in and turn it in. The Bill Stern Show tonight came from New York City. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.